Welcome to Press Play and Surrender. I'm your host, Owen McQuinn, and I'm an Irish filmmaker and actor. This is my chance to speak to artists of all kinds, as well as industry players, from up-and-comers to established talent. My guest today is Connor McMahon. Connor is a writer-director best known for his horror comedy films Stitches and Let the Wrong One In. Connor has also directed sketch comedy on Republic of Telly and Callum's Kicks, as well as No Worries If Not. It was great to catch up with him so many years after working together. So here's my chat with Connor McMahon. Hey, Connor, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. No problem. How are you doing today? Good. The sun is shining. You know, I'm trying to write, but, you know, find it any other reason to get away from it so you know yeah i'm glad i couldn't help you procrastinate yeah yeah exactly i'm always like when somebody is you know somebody's like oh you must be busy but like you know can you do this i'm like yeah sure i'll do it (laughs) i really appreciate it um yeah i actually watched let the wrong one in for the first time the other day and i really enjoyed it it was so good like well done um And what struck me was the tone of it, like, was, I mean, it was similar to Stitches in a way. It was very, like, irreverent, kind of lighthearted, kind of in your face. And I was wondering, like, how do you, how do you establish that tone? Is it on the page or is it on set? How do you do it? Um, I think, like, tone's a very tricky thing to kind of quantify. And I always find it hard when, at the start when people are talking about tone, like, like for me, a lot of it does come from, I think probably my own personality, um, and then how I cast it, you know. So it's like I'm probably responding to a particular kind of humor, you know, that that I like, you know. And so, um, so I think that's one thing. And then, I guess stylistically, uh, you know, probably the films that influence me are probably those kind of early. Peter Jackson, Sam Raimi stuff, you know, which is all in that zone. So it's it's not even sort of conscious some of the time. It's more, that's me just being as most me as I can be. And that's yeah. what comes out, okay. you know, where, you know, whereas sometimes I have to be a bit more conscious about if I'm doing drama or maybe, you know, like I'm working on, you know, some more, say more serious horror that's more effort for me, you know, that's, that's, that's a more conscious decision of like, okay, this has to be darker and this has to be, you know, I take the comedy out. Like, like I'm always like my natural impulse is to put silly jokes in and I have to go against that, you know? Okay. It's like, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it comes through like your personality definitely comes through in these, especially your early films, I think. Um, but do you do you know where your lust for bloodshed comes from? Because there's a lot of blood spraying in these films. Like, is it simply the films that you watched when you were younger influencing you? Um, I don't know, and I always feel there's never enough. You know, <laughs> like always, I always come away going, I could have done more. You know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I certainly remember. The, you know, the first time we started figuring out how to do blood effects when we were kids, you know, and I mean, the first way was really dumb. Like it was like, 
uh, you know, you'd, you'd try and do gunshots, but you'd stop the camera, put blood in, and then, you know, it was just these cuts, like, yeah. you know. But then when we discovered, when we discovered the tube, like, so it was like a tube. Basically, what I, what I used to have to do is, um, so get a shampoo bottle, and, like, tubes would be hard to find, you know. So I, I'd cut the cable off something in the house. People would go mad. Like, I'd cut the cable off the television and pull all the wires out of it. Uh, you know, sometimes my mom would see me pulling them out of my teeth, you know. And But anyway, I'd end up with a tube, like, you know, that was the thing. And, uh, yeah, that, that you could hook up then, you know. You could hook it up someone's sleeve. You could hook it up. And I, I remember those. I mean, you. Can, <laughs> I'm suddenly excitedly talking about it. Um, <laughs> I remember the first time, you know, we'd, we, you, you know, you'd get a, a knife and go, and then the blood would just come spraying out. And I, I think it was, it was more that you could then show people a thing that didn't happen, and they'd be going, "Whoa, oh, I wasn't expecting that." Or, um, but I used to even like that's why CG blood never sort of excites me as much because there's something about how. The blood spray, it's never as you expect, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like bouncing here or it's hitting off some wall. Or <laughs> There's always an element of when you're about to do a shot with a blood effect that's, you know, there's a kind of a tension and the, how is this going to go? What's going to happen? Yeah. You know, it's like you sometimes only get one shot at it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't know where deep in my psyche that comes from, but. I think it's more about the audience reaction, you know, how they, you know. I do think it's inherently cinematic. It is just like the shock of violence, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like I remember once, like once once I, off the point, but like, like I remember, because I had this blood effect thing, you know, and I remember I went to the Gale Talk. And, and I brought it with me because I, I knew that you put on a play at the end, you know. And and so I'd rigged I'd rigged myself up with this blood effect, you know. Uh, and and so we were doing like a reservoir dog scene, and the idea was the guy was going to dance around and he was going to use the the blunt side of a of a knife, you know. And he took me like, and then all the blood would spread. And that was the first time we did it live, you know. Okay. And, and and the whole audience started freaking out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the element of surprise that's so important, yeah. I think. Um, so, obviously, I mean, I think I remember I used to enter the Fresh Film Festival, and I remember the first year I entered, maybe there was a program and it had your face in it, and it was talking about your first feature, Dead Meat. And I was like, who yeah. is this guy? So, you obviously entered the Fresh and they were aware of you before that. You were making films as a teenager? Yeah, yeah. Like, I. I came second in the fresh in 1996, I believe, or 1997. So that was the first year of it. And um, like, what was great about that was that they kind of, because I'd made, I'd entered other films as well. You know, like I'd done a Shakespeare film and, and I thought that would be the one people would like. And they really responded to the horror, you know? And they were like, no, no, that's that, like, they could see that's where my excitement was. And I think just, adults sort of affirming that at that young age kind of gave me that confidence to go oh yeah like like don't make films for other people like you know like you know i was almost doing the drama because i thought that's what people 
might like. And so that was just like, oh, no, you've got to be more yourself. And so I think that was really good. Yeah. And then, okay, so you're around that age. What age were you, 13, 14, making those films? And you, what movies were you watching to inspire you? What were your influences? Was it like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that? Um, like the early films that influenced me, um, like a lot of Spielberg stuff, like weirdly, like, I mean, Indiana Jones and stuff were, were big influences. Um, but I think in terms of the horror space, like the ones that really just like, wow, like was Evil Dead. And uh, I remember like, I don't know if you most people would know about this, but like there was an Irish, Northern Irish horror movie made called The Eliminator and by a guy called Andy Hughes. And he played a double bill of his film with Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. And like when I came out of that screening, that was just like, I think seeing Evil Dead and Bad Taste and then Bad Taste got me into like Brain Dead. And just seeing those movies, it was like, oh, my God. It, it was almost like what I'd been kind of doing myself in a vacuum. And yeah. then when you saw someone else do it at that level, it was just like, yeah. wow. <laughs> you get that affirmation. And it's also so important to be encouraged, like, at that young age. So was it pretty obvious to you that you were going to go to film school then? Yeah. Um <clears throat> Yeah, like I totally was, I mean, I was like, I'm going to make my first feature at 23. I think that was the other thing. I, I, I read Robert Rodriguez's book, you know, Rebel Without a Crew. And like he'd done his first feature at 23. And so there was no doubt in my mind that that's the path I was going to do, you know. <clears throat> so, yeah. So for me, it was like, go to film college, um, you know, uh, come out, write my feature script and then make it you know and and i guess because he had done it for such a low budget it just seemed very doable like now you know because people could use them for cheaper so um but like film college was great like that was i think that was like finding your tribe you know yeah so like you know because <clears throat> all these different filmmakers were making their own films again like i said in different parts of the country we didn't know each other yeah you know before internet or anything you didn't know like that's what was so weird you didn't know what anyone else was doing and at the same time when you met up you had these very similar paths or similar influences and and that was just like wow there's there's more like me you know yeah yeah and you found collaborators that you could work with then later on right yeah and in a way i miss the collaboration of college because uh you know, when you leave, you know, there were a few of us, um, like here on Boy, who's gone on to make films. Uh, you know, he's in my class. I remember Andrew Legg, he just did his first feature this year. Logan. Yeah. Um, and so so we were all in the same class and we'd make films together and, and, and sometimes we'd co-direct stuff. And uh, it's almost like when you leave college, you can't do that anymore um, or it doesn't make sense to do it. So yeah. it, it was always sort of sad to kind of have to go your own path and you know, in some ways, some of our best stuff was when we collaborated, you know? Right. And you had that safe environment to make mistakes and, like, use the equipment for free and things like that. That, yeah, I know for myself, like, that was so important as well. Like, um, and then how did you go from doing, like, Dead Meat to doing Zombie Bashers and Stitches? 
Um, well, after Dead Meat, I mean, there was a little bit of a wilderness for a while in terms of, like, I don't think I made, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a film a year or something like that. that was my big delusion, you know? Yeah. It's like, um, and I had, like, I had this script lined up, which almost got made. It was, it was like a folklore thing. It was a banshee, um, and it was a straight horror movie. Um, and, you know, we'd been developing it at the time and and then yeah i kind of got sidetracked and i got i was making corporate videos and stuff for a while and um so zombie bashes came out of a of a sort of me going i have to get back to film like it had been i don't know like so many years or whatever and so i i was trying to find a way back in um to do something and then i'd met steve shields uh, and we've been that was, it was it was his concept you know and it was it was the first time as well when because i don't do many things that other people have written but i know now it's it's almost like that thing where it feels like something you could have written yourself like you sort of know what to do with it it's like it's like because sometimes you kind of you're just happy to direct anything you know yeah so you'll just say yes but there's a difference when it's like oh i know what to do with this i know how it should feel i know the vibe of it um and so yeah that was great and that got me into rte which I, I, I spent, you know, many happy years working on Republic of Delhi, you know. Okay, yeah. I knew you did Callum's Kicks, but I wasn't aware of Republic of Telly. Cool. And that, yeah, what yeah, was no, the, work, the workload like? Were you doing things every week? Did it, was there a lot? Yeah, we do? were doing... Oh, yeah. Like, was like, like two, maybe we were shooting two sketches a week. So that was like so you're writing directing editing doing the camera yourself so like sometimes those shoots would be you doing the camera and there'd be like a runner with a boom you know <laughs> like they were really low-fi but but at the same time you were discovering like you know the rubber bandits and like you know i'm gonna shot damon ivers uh first sketch for tv um you know so there was a real sense that we were in tune with the the sort of the zeitgeist if that's the word like you know like people were talking about the things we were making yeah you know, and obviously kind of all had to kind of be topical yeah exactly yeah yeah and like i mean i never watched i never really watched tv like i didn't when i went in i remember they gave me a pile of the rt guides because i was like who the hell is dahi o'shea you know <laughs> it's like i've been yeah, watching horror movies yeah 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 exactly so it was a whole other world but um but James Cotter was the producer and he was great. Like he gave us a lot of freedom and he was just a really good, um, he, he was very clear about what would work and, and, and what, and uh, it did actually, you know, I remember writing my first scripts and, you know, I'd be writing, you know, the characters be like, Hey, how's it going? Blah. And I might have a joke every five lines and, and he'd come along with a pen and he'd cross out anything that wasn't a setup or a joke, you know? And yeah. so you don't know the script, it was just crammed full of jokes, you know? And, and, yeah. It almost needed that pace, you know. It was it was more than I thought it needed, and yeah, because sometimes people would submit scripts, and it might be you know the way a joke might be quite long, and then one punchline at the end, it's like that that just doesn't work. It's like you need to constantly entertain, entertain. Yeah, you know? um, it's like if you watch an episode of like the classic Simpsons or something, it's just joke after joke after joke. Like that, it you yeah, have to be yeah, really yeah. tight in comedy. I mean, would you say that's true? The typical cliche of comedy is harder than drama like i would in the sense that but it probably depends who's doing it you know and like if you're like 
But I, what's true about that statement, I find, is that it has to be more precise. Yeah. That's what I feel. You know, you can, there's a greater latitude for failure in drama. Like, yeah, so it can still re maybe resonate with certain viewers, even if it's not resonating with everyone. But yeah, know. like it doesn't have, like it doesn't. Now, I, you know, there's there's other things that are hard about drama, obviously. But I think that's the thing that's tricky. It's like, put it this way: if a comedy's not funny, it just doesn't work. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. dead. People like, are shaking in their risk. seats and they're groaning and they're like, "What's happening yeah, yeah. here?" And it's sort of embarrassing to say a joke that's not funny and it falls flat. You know what I mean? So there's there's a higher risk of failure, I would say. Do you think there should be, I mean, you probably do, that there should be more comedy in Irish film. I just know for myself, when I go to festivals and stuff and I look at short films, I see a lot of doom and gloom and like seriousness and yeah. Then a, a funny one comes along and everyone's like, oh, thank God, like it's a relief. Do you think there should be more or? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do wonder like, because I mean, I suppose everybody's got to make what, what's motivating them, you know, so, you know, it'd be hard to say you should do a comedy, but it's it strikes me as odd that, you know, you think about Irish people and, you know, there's, there's all like people are funny, like, you know, uh, when you meet them and like sometimes like, you know, I know friends of mine that are very funny and then when they go to make a film it is this sort of you know <laughs> yeah. really sad depressing film set yeah. in some fishing village about yeah. someone who's like whatever it's, it's like i don't i don't know if that's what they really want to make um you know and that's fine but i suppose sometimes every so often you kind of go is that a, is that a case of making what you think people want to make or what what is and there is a cachet to making something important and worthy and, and all mm. that and um and that's great when it's done well but it's like you know when it falls into that gap of like like this is boring but you know nobody can say it because you know it's yeah. it's worthy you know no so, it yeah. is funny like that someone's personality mightn't translate to the screen uh and maybe people don't need to make art that totally reflects their personality but yeah, I guess if there were there was more freedom to explore comedy or more of a chance being taken, like I don't know what percentage of scripts that are submitted to any funding body are comedic, but it just seems like yeah. it's a minority of the output. Yeah. I think it's I think it's also a hard thing to um like I don't think it's just the writers, like it's very hard like you need really you need good actors, you need funny actors. Like um like, I suppose that was what was great in Republic Italy, you know, like we were, we had a lot of good comic talent. So, you know, you could make something that 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 was funny, like, you know, the people were, were you could have a half ass script and it would be funny just because the actors were funny or the comedians were funny. Yeah. So I think that might be why people shy away from it, that, you know, it's definitely it's almost impossible to do if you don't have the right cast. You know. Yeah, casting is so important, I guess. Um, that's so true. So, speaking of, I was so lucky to work with you as a cast member on Stitches. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we had a great time, me and all the other cast members and Ross Noble. It was fantastic. So, I have really good memories of that. Do you have any particular memories that stand out to you? God, yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, that was a big thing at the time. 
Um, and yeah, like to, to make that film. Um, I mean, I've lots of it. I got, I was like, suddenly like, oh yeah, Jesus, all the, you know, like, um, I mean, there was so much fun in that. I mean, especially like the death sequences. I mean, yeah. you had the best, <laughs> you had probably the best death sequence. Yeah, I was know? so excited to do that, especially when you told me how you, how excited you were to do it. And I remember like being at Bowsy Workshop and having my head molded for hours and just the anticipation yeah, yeah. of this night that we were going to shoot it. Like, yeah, it was so, it was so great. Like, um, and people always... You with that giant head. Yes, <laughs> stop <laughs> talking, big head. Like my partner <laughs> still says that to me at times when I'm oh, really? <laughs> annoying him or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just remember like the two different size prosthetic heads and like screaming until my throat was closing up and like the salty blood in my mouth and spitting that up. Like it was great. Yeah. Um, but like it's it's interesting now because often I see you know people re-review it or or you know they'll do like top five horror deaths or something and that might be in there or uh like recently there was you know it's like i think that's what's fun about horror in a way it it, it does get rediscovered you know or or you read reviews of people who were who watched it when they were a kid you know they were like oh, i remember watching stitches when i was 12 or something yeah. you know and it's like you know that's that's almost that's the experience you never get when you make something you know you never get the sort of the watching it or discovering it, you know, you just sort of put it out there and, um, you know, and think about, oh, I could have done this better or I could have done, you know, that's yeah. my experience. But it's, it's, uh, but working with Ross as well was, was, yeah. I remember, um, you know, because we almost had Mark Hamill, like, that's what was, yeah, like, like he, he expressed interest, you know? Yeah. And then, but then Ross, we sent him script, and Ross replied, and he said, you had me at knife in the face. And it was <laughs> like, oh, he gets it. Yeah. You know, he gets it. Uh, he really made it his own as well. Like, he really relished yeah. the part, I think, and he was great. Like, yeah, it was such totally. a cool experience. Um, and what was I going to say? Yeah, I mean... We saw it at Fright Fest, I think it was the first time I saw it. And the death scenes really did impress me. Like, yeah. I wasn't there for all the other death scenes being shot, but particularly yeah. row scenes with the umbrella and everything was fantastic. And the eyeball going into her mouth at the end, like, was hilarious. Um, like, I found, do I have it here? Oh, yeah. I found this recently online. It's a cat. I don't know if you can see that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, try and put. I can't see myself, so I don't know if I'm getting it on oh, the screen. Oh, wow. It's, it's <laughs> That's got all death. Yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? But actually, it's are. true. Like, when we were making it, I wasn't really thinking about who the target audience was, but I had no idea so many kids would watch it, like so many young teenagers, because so many of them, like, approached me on social media and be like, are you Richie from Stitches? I love that. Yeah, so like even now, years later, I get messages. If I ever like show my face on the internet, they're like, oh my God, Stitches Clown and all this. Uh, <laughs> so like it is kind of mad like that it reverberates and resonates over time. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but um after that then, I mean, you kind of you worked in other films, right? I mean, you've done let, let the wrong one in, but there were other projects too, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, uh, well, from the dark was a kind of a, another one I did. Um, 
which again was like usually usually these films are born out of a frustration to get another film made and you kind of have to go back to why you're doing this in the first place what like what motivated you you know because in a way you you can get dependent on funding bodies and and waiting for money and and it's great when that happens but you can't always rely on it and you know sometimes you know there's something empowering about like i could just get a camera and i can go make a film and like weirdly i would say that's the common denominator with all the films i've made they usually start with this belief that it's going to be made even if no one gives me the money you know okay and like that's that's true of all the films you know uh and so they kind of start with this energy and you're all, you almost start making the film or you start putting it together um you know like even with let the wrong one in like we we shot a promo i cast that film years before we got the funding you know you almost you just have to get into that mindset of yeah. of you know it's happening it's you know inevitable. what i mean cuz i think we, yeah yeah it's inevitable and and whatever energy that creates you know the synchronicities start lining up you know yeah. and so i think that's that's important because yeah so there's a lot of it's the mindset um i kind of see filmmaking as obviously you're setting yourself a challenge but like you're also giving yourself like a mountain of problems and then you're solving those problems so do you do you find that to be a satisfying process yeah like i i mean people have said like i'm sometimes weirdly calm and it's like i remember i read something once where you know somebody said if a problem arises accepted as if you had chosen and like what i've noticed is um that a lot of the time the problem the a, a better thing happens if you just wait you know what i mean if you just because like and some of that's with experience because again with casting right um there's always like say there's there's always a part where you might want a, a, somebody who's a name you know what i mean like like the Ross Noble part or whatever you know there's usually or in let the wrong one in the Anthony Head part and you know at the start there's a lot of opinions being thrown around about who that should be and and you know we should try this person and this person and and I I got very emotionally involved sometimes and you know you're you really hope it's going to be this person and then you get disappointed and then it could be this person and then somebody else wants somebody that you don't want and you know you can get into it and and weirdly it's like the right person just gets the role in the end some you know yeah. most of the time that seems to be what happens and so now i just kind of don't get so involved and i you know it's just it's just let's you know here's a list of people let's see who yeah. says yes you know and and i found that you know cuz sometimes you're creating the problems you know what i mean by your own sort of emotional anxiety you know it's like it needs to be this and this um but other times you know, I've had films where I remember, like, it started snowing, and I mean, this is a funny one. Like, uh, it started snowing, and I'd realized when I started making the film. This, I mean, this has gone back twenty years. It was a short film. I cast the wrong actor, right? So there was five actors, and one of them was was the, was. I was like, ah, oh, I've made a mistake, you know. Yeah. And then, then it started snowing, right? 
and the shoot was cancelled, right? And everyone was like panicking. And I was like, hmm. And then it turned out that on the next day we could film, that actor wasn't available. And I had to recast, you know? <laughs> and I was like, so it was like, it was, I started to see this thing between, you know, the people say the film gods, you know, they, they want yeah. the best version of the film to be made, you yeah. know? And so if you just allow these things that seem like terrible things, even when we did let the wrong one in, um, you know, there was a there was a place across the road, directly across the road, that was like, you know, it was going to be perfect for us building sets and everything like this. And then a week before, I think it was bought over by Tesco or some, some something, and they were going to build a shopping center there. And you know, it was like, oh, disaster. And then like, a few of the guys just strolled around the area, you know, and they found an even better place. You know, and, yeah. and it was going to be free. And it was so. It's just like it. You just yeah. I I I don't jump the gun so quick anymore to 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 go disaster. It's yeah. just like let's see. Trust. Let's wait. Yeah. Trust. The yeah. Process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, what are you working on now? Is there anything we can kind of expect in the next couple of years? Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, it's always a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, like I'm, 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 I'm definitely doing a lot more co-writing, which is fun. Like because I think I've, I've realized the system of me sitting in a room, spending a year or two to write something, which may or may not get made. You know, um, it's a lot of effort and time to put in, and I just find if, if I, if I collaborate, I can do a lot more. You know, like I can have. It, it's not just one thing it's like okay there can be five things and yeah if one of those things doesn't happen then that's okay because there's a couple of other things you know and and i don't have to do all the sort of the, the, the investment yeah. so yeah i found that's that's useful so you know there's a mix there's, there's, there's some slashers in there there's some witches in there there's some you know uh you know some some scary horror, some comedy horror. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm now I don't have to choose exactly. It's like I, I, I do it. No, I think someone else was saying that to me on this podcast a couple of episodes ago. That like the key is some of the best advice is just to have multiple projects on the go at any one time, so you don't put get so invested in one thing and then like so disappointed when it doesn't happen. Yeah, and weirdly, I found the I, it's it's like everything expands to fill that. Like you know, because you might go, well, I only have one idea. You know what I mean? But I find if you sort of start talking to other writers, more ideas appear. You know what I mean? If you sort of if if you're kind of going, okay, I need more ideas because I want more things happening, then more ideas come. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas when you just go, I'm just going to work on this one idea, then you just get one idea. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. It's sort of, yeah. Well, I'm really excited to see whatever you do next. Uh, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And, uh, no problem. Yeah, I'm excited. And congratulations on your IFTA nomination as well. You got nominated for director oh, yeah. and screenwriter. Director. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, it was good. It was so nice was to be part day. of that. Because again, like, you know, horror and comedy don't always, you know, you know, you don't always expect to even expect to get nominated. You know what I mean? Because, yes. you know, for awards, they tend to lean towards drama, you know? So that was cool. Or just the idea that other people voted for you. 
that you don't even know who they are, you know? It's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's great. All right, Connor, listen, thanks so much. And I'll see you again soon, I hope. Cool. So that was my chat with Connor McMahon. I'm forever grateful to him for staging such a spectacular death scene for my character in Stitches, and I look forward to witnessing many more blood-spattered creations in the years to come. This has been Press Play and Surrender. Thank you for listening. Please consider subscribing wherever you find your podcasts.